All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to Tangle Tales. I'm Andy. <clears throat> I'm the host and founder of Tanglefoot Brewing Company in Temple, Texas. This is the third installment of the Recipe Overview, or as I like to call them, Recipe Wednesdays, a uh, detailed overview of the recipe of each of my three beers that I serve at Tanglefoot, and I release them on a specific day of the week, Wednesday. So without further ado, this is the 13 Degree Tamave, the anticipated episode that everybody's looking out for. Uh, I know it's uh, it's been on uh, a lot of people's most anticipated podcast of the year. So, you know, what are you going to do? Sometimes you're just super popular and everybody wants to listen to your podcast, all three people. Thanks, Mom, Ben, and Tyler. So without further ado, let's dive into the 13 Degree Tamave. Cheers. All right. So the uh, first two episodes detailed the 10 degree pale lager, the 12 degree, I'm sorry, first, did I say first two or first three? First two episodes detailed the 10 degree pale lager, the 12 degree pale lager, and now we're on to a 13 degree tamave. What does that mean? Uh, so tamave means dark in Czech. Um, so this would technically be a 13 degree dark lager. Uh, I've shortened that to Tamave because it sounds cool and it is a, it's a more concise beer name. And instead of saying Tamave Lager, I just stuck with Tamave, but, uh, yeah, so that is the meaning of that word. 13 degrees is obviously in reference to the starting sugar content of the wort, wort, like I've described in previous episodes. Um, so yeah, this beer was the second beer that I created for Tanglefoot is the second recipe that I wrote. Um, I have quite an extended history of brewing dark beers at Black Star Co-op where I, uh, I also run the brewery there in Austin, Texas. Um, just as a uh, little humble brag, we have in 2015, we won a gold medal at the Great American Beer Festival for Recalcitrant Dockhand, which was our robust porter, uh, dark beer. And the, and this year in uh, 2022, Black Star Co-op won a gold medal again for Calstrand Dockan at the Texas Craft Brewers Cup, and a gold medal for our Bourbon Barrel Aged Imperial Stout, which is another dark beer. And we took home Small Brewery of the Year. So, a uh, pretty pretty um, storied brewing history with as far as dark beers are concerned. Um, I am a huge proponent of the malts that we use in these dark beers. I think that um, because of them, the, the reason that these beers all end up being quite tasty is because of the uh, manufacture of the malts, which I will get into in a, in a moment. But just as kind of a little preface to this episode, I've, uh, I've been brewing with these dark specialty malts that I use in this beer and the other beers that I brew at Black Star for quite some time. So I feel pretty comfortable with them. And, uh, I am, again, I advocate all breweries that are attempting to make good, tasty, dark beers use Vireman malts. So let's talk about malts In this recipe in particular, uh, it's pretty simple, but it is, uh, it yields a, a pretty complex flavor profile. Uh, so I start off with Vireman, uh, pale, um, yep. No, sorry. What am I doing? <laughs> Vireman Pilsner malt. Sorry. I don't know why I got so 
screwed up on that. Uh, I start with a full bag, 55 pounds. It's funny how uh, when you are running a production uh, brewery that everything kind of ends up rounding to bags of things. So like a 55 pound, 25 kilogram sack of grain or an, an 11 pound bag of hops. Uh, it's just a just a funny thing that happens when you're maintaining an inventory and building recipes out. So starting with one full bag of Ironman Pilsner malt, I'm then adding seven pounds of uh, Karamunic type one. So this particular malt is about 38 degrees Lovabond or um, SRM, which are color measurements for the malt. Um, Karamunic is a caramelized malt as the name implied implies. Um, so this malt has been stewed and then crystallized and, or caramelized and, and then that crystallizes into this, this hard candy like, um, malt that lends a ton of caramel and toasty, um, roasted sugar flavor to the, uh, to the wort. And, uh, yeah, like I said, Vireman across the board, um, their specialty malts are fantastic. And the real star of the show in this beer is the Fireman Carafa Special 2, which I use six pounds of in this particular recipe. Um, so that's it. That's three malts to build up this quite complex um, flavor profile in the malt. So Carafa Special 2 is the um, is the grain that I'm really leaning on in this beer and the these, these malts, um, these Carafa is a line, a series of uh, roasted malts that Fireman produces, and they are just phenomenal. They have been roasting malts, um, specifically roasting dark malts for hundreds of years. Um, they got their start as a company, and I also had the pleasure of going to Germany, <clears throat> to uh, Bamberg, Germany, back in 2017, and I actually had a, a tour of the facility, which is pretty much a city manufacturing facility. It's gigantic, tons of buildings, and they're just producing malt on a scale that is pretty unimaginable. But uh, they make some of the most premier malt in the world, um, but their specialty malts are what they're really known for. So the company, the Vireman Malting Company, actually got started by making uh, malt coffee. So back in whatever, pick out a date in the 1800s when coffee was not a... Um, a um, common or accessible um, beverage or, or like the coffee beans were not readily available. And if they were, they were extremely expensive. Uh, people would roast barley uh, and then they would steep that in water and create a dark, roasty, burnt tasting liquid similar to the flavors in coffee, uh, less the caffeine. So uh, that's how the company got started roasting malt, uh, or I'm sorry, roasting barley to create this grain coffee or, or barley coffee. And then that kind of snowballed into them producing all kinds of malts down the road. So um, this line, this Carafa line <clears throat> is just, yeah, it's just known for being super high quality. Their processes are really cool. They have these giant drum roasters that are like, um, I mean, it's, it's similar. The process is very similar to how coffee and chocolate is roasted. It's, it's tumble roasted in these big cylinders and, um, they're massive. They're like the size of, of like semi truck. It was so cool to see, but 
they um so they they roast them very particularly this um carafa special two is roasted to about 410 or 12 or 420 degrees level bond so pretty dark but they it goes all the way up to carafa special carafa special three and when i say uh special <clears throat> This is a dehusked version of the Carafa line. So when you roast malt or roast barley, it's uh, it still has its husk intact. And when you roast the husk and the and the whole piece of grain, um, it it is you're basically burning it. Um, so you're charring it. So it has all those nice like coffee, espresso, chocolate, uh, burnt characters. But when you leave the husk on, that is a, it just is real thin and, and frail. And so it, it ends up getting burnt um, and, and contributing a lot of bitterness to the, you know, the beer that you'll be making. So the dehusk line of Carafa, actually, I don't, I'm not sure what the process is. I'm sure it's <clears throat> proprietary or at least it's, it's very, um, uh, it takes very specialized equipment, but they remove the husk um, and then it it removes a significant portion of bitterness so again this is my secret if you want to call it uh this has been our secret in all of our dark beers at black star for years but i'm a huge fan of using the craft special line because having it dehusked and removing any level of bitterness in whatever proportion of that malt you're going to use in your recipe goes a long way uh you can you can jack those percentages up and add even more coffee chocolate character to the beer without adding as much relative bitterness um which is a different bitterness kind of like a silty burnt middle of the tongue bitterness which is not um not the same as like alpha acid or hot bitterness but it, it is not very pleasant in my opinion although there are some great examples of beers that that lean pretty heavy on the roasty bitterness side so anyways <clears throat> that is my recipe pretty straightforward but again, these malts in particular are awesome, and I give them all of the credit for why these beers turn out so good. All right, so moving on to the brew day. <clears throat> Once I have my grain milled, I'm looking to, uh, to get my strike water up to temp. This beer, I'm looking to hit about a 150, uh, 150 to 152 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, for the mash temperature because these, <clears throat> excuse me, I've got, man, I, I, I went running and now I'm like thirsty and my mouth is dry. So I apologize if I'm coughing into the microphone. Um, so yeah, during, or during, yeah, the mash, I'm looking to hit about 150 to 152 degrees Fahrenheit, but instead of adding um, calcium chloride and gypsum, like I mentioned in the 10 degree and 12 degree pale lagers, um, I'm actually going to be adding something else i'm adding baking soda to the mash <clears throat> instead of those salts um because when you're adding roasted malt the the roasting process the darkening of the malt actually makes it be, become pretty acrid pretty acidic and so that drops the ph of the mash significantly so you can actually just based on a srm table from like lightest palest color of malt to the darkest blackest um, malt or work color that you can imagine along that scale, as it starts on the lighter end of the spectrum, you're, you're generally speaking based on your water, not, not based on the water, but you're going to have a more basic mash. And then as that color increases, 
<clears throat> you're going to have a um, more acidic mash as as more of those roasted or colored malts get added into the mash. So the kind of like red part of the spectrum is usually when there's not much acidification needed. Uh, and then on the darker end, you're you're looking to um, you're looking to add baking soda or something that is more of a base to then balance that pH out. So again, we're looking for 5.2, uh, 5.1 to 5.2 pH on this particular beer. And um, yeah, so that's what uh, the baking soda is for. And in this particular recipe, I'm making one barrel of uh, wort. So I'm going to be adding four grams of baking soda. And all of these numbers for the, uh, for the salt additions, I may have said it before in another episode, but all of these numbers are relative to the water profile that you're using at the location that you're brewing at. So these are calculated based on the water profile in Temple, Texas. Uh, I would have different numbers calculated based on the water profile in Austin and, you know, subsequently any other city that has a different water chemistry um, in their in their water source. So just keep that in mind. So once I get all of the uh, all the grains mashed in with the water, hopefully I'm hitting my mash temperature. Because on this one, I've got a higher proportion of um, caramelized malts. Uh, when you are adding caramel malts to a grain bill, you are inherently increasing or I'm sorry, decreasing the fermentability of the wort because those caramelized sugars are not, uh, they're, they're not as fermentable as, you know, just pale malt. So the more caramelized malts you add to a recipe, you can assume a higher residual or finishing gravity in your work or in your beer. So, uh, yeah, hitting on the lower end of the spectrum for the mash. And once I start running off, the wort into my brew kettle, then I start to sparge. Uh, one interesting note on these, uh, somebody asked me yesterday at a brewer's event, what were my favorite beers to brew? Um, obviously I love brewing lagers, but specifically I've always said, I love brewing dark beers because adding these roasted malts, um, in, in these proportions that I'm adding in these really dark beers, um, it just makes such a cool, like the physically mashing in is so much fun. It's a much more buoyant mash. It's not as like thick and sticky. It just kind of like lifts the entire mash up and it just looks super cool. And then you have this like really rich syrupy dark wort that comes off the first runnings of the mash and it smells awesome. I mean, it's like all around from a sensory perspective, it's like definitely my favorite beer to brew is something with a, a, a large amount of caramel and, and dark malts in it. So I just always think that that's kind of an interesting thing. So uh, collecting wort into my brew kettle, I'm looking to collect about, um, this says 39 gallons, but I actually, I need to uh, edit this recipe. I have consistently been um, boiling off uh, harder that was since this recipe was calculated. So I'm actually needing to collect somewhere around 41 or 43 gallons of wort to then boil um, and then yield a uh, barrel of good beer in the end. So, uh, but when I collect that kettle full, I'm looking to hit a pre-boil gravity of 1.046, which is, pull up my conversion chart, 11.5 degrees Play-Doh. 
and then I'm boiling for 90 minutes, um, similar to the other three or the other two beers that I brew. Uh, then at the 30 minutes in, at the 60 minutes left point, I'm adding my one and only addition of hops, and it's again, isn't it interesting how all of these uh, all of these beers have similar hopping rates? But I'm adding 14 ounces of Chexas hops at the 60 minute mark of the boil. This is lending 32 IBUs of bitterness to the beer. And then I proceed to boil for another 45 minutes where I then add my Whirlflock, which is the coagulation, uh, promo coagulant promotional um, tablet that, that helps all the, the proteins and stuff form chunks together and flow to the bottom. Uh, yeast nutrient, I'm adding about 10 grams of yeast nutrient so that my yeast have a nice, healthy wort environment to replicate and create more budding yeast cells. And then I'm adding 20 grams of calcium chloride and four grams of calcium sulfate for uh, flavor adjustment and yeast health and just making sure that this uh, water and, and wort is in, is in line with the... Uh, the softness that I'm looking for and uh, really accentuating the malt character in these Czech lagers. So after the uh, final 15 minutes, <clears throat> I begin to do my whirlpool. The whirlpool is the same as I've detailed in the other two episodes, uh, spinning the word around, letting all of that coagulated protein and hot material fall to the bottom of the kettle so that I can separate the clean wort from that uh, trube. And then I knock out 50 degrees over a healthy pitch of yeast on this particular beer. <clears throat> I'm pitching a, maybe, you know, six pounds of yeast, um, just bumping. It's always better to have more yeast than uh, less yeast. Under pitching is a pretty severe problem. Over pitching, there are some, there are some downsides, but on this scale, it's pretty negligible. But so erring on the side of over pitching. Um, and then my original gravity after the 90 minute boil is looking like 1.053 or Bueller. Does anybody know what that translates to in degrees Plato? It's 13, 13 degrees Plato. And uh, I'm knocking out about 35 gallons of wort. And that yields uh, about a barrel of, of beer after it's all said and done and lost in the fermentation. And I am looking to hit a final gravity of around 1.016 or about four degrees Plato. So uh, sometimes it, it finishes a little higher. Um, sometimes it finishes a little bit lower, but it, that is like a really solid um, finishing gravity for this particular beer. Again, um, all of these beers have a relatively higher finishing gravity than you would find in like a, <clears throat> let's say like a, a German Hellas or something, but <clears throat> they are uh, bittered appropriately to balance and they still remain pretty drinkable. Um, so that is, uh, yeah, that is pretty much from, from start to finish. I, and then I keg it off, lager it for several weeks and then carbonate it to the same degree that I carbonate the other beers. And then it is ready to be served on the lucre faucets in the beer saloon. So, uh, 13 degree tamave, that is the recipe there. Um, that is kind of the brewing process similar to the other brew days, but this one is, uh, like I said, with the 
Roasted malts, the mash is much more fun, much more buoyant. The runoff is great, smells awesome. Um, and then, yeah, once you, once it's ready to be served, this is probably the most polarizing uh, beer in a good way. This is the beer that when somebody gets a pour of that, it just looks awesome in the glass. It's dark. It's um, you know on the darker end of a dark lager spectrum. So pretty much <clears throat> super dark brown to black and the head is nice and thick and and like beige creamy looks like uh, the foam on an espresso or yeah foam on a cappuccino it just is a it's a really fun beer it's only around five percent abv so you can you can still sessionably drink a few of these and 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 feel all right and uh yeah like i said this uh beer has been by far the most popular beer I'm constantly uh, stressing about running out of it. In fact, one of my regulars um, comes in all the time and uh, orders the beer. Shout out Juan if you're listening to this. I know you do. Um, but he, uh, yeah, was was playing a trying to figure out what the right move was, whether he was gonna order another one or, or save it for next week in case I I did run out um, of the 13 this week, but. Fortunately, I did not. I shook the keg, and it seems like I've got enough to make it through this weekend, and uh, and then my next batch will be on the way. So, all good things in the realm of thirteen right now. No cans of it coming for the next few weeks, just so I can make sure that my pars are on point. But hopefully, uh, I will be having some cans next. This is the um, this will be released on uh, Friday, March eleventh. So hopefully, or no, what am I saying? This will be released on next Wednesday. I'm recording this early so that uh, that's how podcasts work, by the way. You record them in advance and then you schedule them to be released. So you're not an idiot trying to squeeze out a podcast at uh, Tuesday night at 8 p.m. when you forgot Westby Wednesdays was a, a funny name you already came up with. So that's some insight into the podcast world. Maybe I'll start a podcast on how to start a podcast and we'll just go down uh, 15 layers into the obscure um rabbit hole of how my brain works all right what a weird way to finish it up but yeah 13 degrees tomave i hope you all got something out of that that is it for the three-part westby wednesday series i'm probably gonna brew more recipes and go over um those recipes in the future and i will also be doing a recipe formulation podcast so look out for that at some point uh, but yeah, thanks so much for listening. I know that this is not, um, you know, you don't have to listen to this, but I'm glad that you do if you do. So enjoy it. Have a good day. Nazrabi.